Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Kolbeck, Adam Stewart, and Michael Garrell here tonight. Uh, we'll be uh, talking CFL CBA yet again. Uh, we wish we were here doing a season preview show. We were hopeful, but uh, so is not the case. The CBA negotiations are ongoing. And uh, so we're here to talk about it because the PA and the league aren't talking right now. Somebody's got to talk. Otherwise, we just have silence. So that's what we're here to do tonight. We are live on YouTube. Uh, we're taking your questions. We're taking your comments live as we talk through everything from the past week in the CFL CBA there as well. Uh, and of course, this will be up on the podcast platforms afterwards. Uh, before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention, as always, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Ojukri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring them in one at a time. First up, the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. Just got home from coaching some rally cap baseball, and I'm ready to dive into some CBA talk here with you guys. Right on. Uh, Adam Stewart is here as well, the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Well, very well. Got a few acres seated today, so that's all great. And uh, yeah, Wish that, uh, wish that, uh, what do you call it, CBA would go as smoothly as my seating's been going so far. Yeah, it does not seem like the uh, the CBA negotiations are on auto steer right now, does it, Adam? Not at all. Seems like the auto steer is definitely off guidance right now. <laughs> and, of course, here with us as well, the great Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Not too bad. I hope we don't have... Too many more of these town hall type discussions, and but we rather get into actual football on the field. Yeah, we're going to be doing this. Uh, well, we're going to be doing this basically until we have a deal. The CFL does not currently. Training camps were supposed to start yesterday, I believe, and uh, well, two of them did. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders and the Edmonton Elks underway on uh with training camp for now uh of course uh well labor laws get sorted out there but uh yeah where do we begin it's been a crazy busy week uh, of things around the cfl uh as they try to negotiate things here and uh well that it starts off with i think the and and let's let's dive right into what i found was a very interesting negotiation tactic because go back if you listen to our last episode of last week here one of the things we all agreed on was we needed more transparency from the cfl well they came out and gave us transparency this week uh when uh, they made their proposal public on social media in a letter to the fans uh trey what do you think of this uh this from the league i thought it was a very interesting tactic but, you know, just before, I believe, the players also released some things. So I feel like this was probably just the CFL's way of sharing their own side of the story. Because I believe that's what we talked about last week was a lot about the players saying what was going on. But we just wanted the league to tell us. And they for, for the first time ever, maybe, they actually uh, listened and uh, gave us what we wanted. 
Yeah, no, they uh, they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They, uh, which is rare for the CFL to ever really be that transparent. Uh, they used it as a tactic. I mean, let's face it; it probably was more of a uh, publicity slash try to move uh, move some uh, court of public opinion back to their side, which the CFL PA has been doing for the last week before that. Uh, yeah, it, it was just literally to me, it was kind of partially a transparency and be kind of a negotiating tactic. Yeah, for me, I, I see this exactly the same way. I, I just did a title war, uh, the CFLPA trying to pull the pull, pull the rope in that direction. Well, now we have a finer, we have a counter pull from the Canadian Football League finally. And, you know, I hate when negotiations get public. But you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, for a CFL, for a lead that doesn't like to, I don't want to say doesn't care about the court of public opinion or doesn't care about brand damage, uh, this kind of goes against the drain. Um, I'm surprised it happened. But in the same sense, having more time to think about it, I'm not really that surprised. Um, I just wonder if this is the actual offer or if this was an offer from a couple of days ago, but has since been massaged. So, you know what? It's a pretty dead start. Um, but to be honest, guys, I'm sick of this trying to put pressure on the sides. Um, last I checked, the partnership is not a pressure campaign a partnership is two two sides actually willing to make a deal and i don't appreciate this bantering back and forth that goes on between the sides i don't think it benefits anybody um somebody should literally just put the two sides in a room lock the door uh take the key and say we're not opening this door until you guys have a deal you know, and also the other thing also, I think Trey probably will have a comment on this as well right afterwards, but uh, I really, really didn't like the CFL just walking out of the room saying, here's our offer, take it or don't take it. We don't care. This is it. If you want it, this is what we're doing. And you know what? I know the CFLPA did that week before that. And I mean, but you got to look at the deal here. Like they were working on Wednesday, they were working on Thursday and they were working on Friday trying with long, long negotiating hours. I mean, there was 12, 13-hour days that they were talking about here trying to get this deal done. And all of a sudden, you just, on Saturday, say, well, take it or leave it. Here's our number. And you know what? I, I don't like the tactic there by the uh, CFL. I didn't like the CFLPA doing it when when this, when this has been so, like when we're getting so close to the beginning of the preseason, why are you walking away right now, Trey? You know, it's, it's turning into a, a game of chicken. I was going to say something, but I guess we're live. Um, it's going to turn into a, who can uh, who can make the bigger stream contest or something like that, right? It, it's it's ridiculous, and I agree. And you know, I think the league is in a bad position because normally when we see other leagues do this, you know, they're fighting over millions of dollars, and the general public is like. This is disgusting. But the CFL, the minimum salary is like they're arguing going up five, six thousand dollars roughly. Like this is 
some of us maybe get that raise a year more than a student football player getting that kind of raise over the years. So I don't know. I think um, I think the CFL is not coming out good with this one. And like normally, like I said, I just kind of sit back and I'm like, hey, it's millionaires fighting over dollars. But this one, it's, you know, a lot of more average guys trying to get the, trying to get their bread. Mike or Adam or Ryan, you go. Yeah, to me, this was, I mean, much like I said last week, both infuriating and I applaud the negotiation tactics of it because the CFL had taken so much public beating, so to say, over, uh, well, everybody's siding with the fans. All we've heard is from is the fans. We haven't heard anything from the league. And uh, all of a sudden, they basically came out and said, yep, here's our most recent offer. And they detailed what we thought was everything uh, from the offer originally, potentially in there, uh, they detailed a good number of things in there. And I think, you know, some of those things in there are, are reasonable. Like I looked at that offer from the league and I was like, okay, I, I actually feel like we're on the right track. I don't necessarily feel like this is the deal that gets it done, but I feel a lot more confident in this than what we talked about last week, which was, a 10-year contract with no revenue sharing, an elimination of the Canadian ratio. Like the, that wasn't there in in the proposal here by the league. But uh, I, you know, I think it was kind of the CFL putting it out there of okay, you know what, we're looking like the bad guys. So we're gonna put this out here and this is gonna put some pressure back on the players now in the final hour here to get this deal done by showing the fans, look, this is what we're offering. Take it or leave it. I agree with what you all have said, though, that I didn't mind that tactic necessarily of it, but the kind of, yeah, this is our final offer. Let's walk away. Uh, we're not uh, we're not discussing this anymore. Call us when you want to take this deal. Like, that's not a constructive way to negotiate a, a deal. That's, that's pressuring somebody into a deal that doesn't make sense for them necessarily, and I, I don't want to see the CFL, uh, this CBA, go down that route necessarily. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, this to me, like I said, is just grasping at straws. Um, it, it's too bad because if you're hoping that this thing gets done in two weeks and everybody just forgets about it and it's water under the bridge, I think there was a very, very... Um, I don't believe people are going to be as forgiving as normal. Um, there seems to be a lot of anger from fans. There seems to be a lot of anger from players. Uh, I know I read earlier that uh, Hamilton players were going to protest outside Tim Horton's field tomorrow, and they invited the fans to come. Um, I know Adam Badehill has said something similar here. Um, no date was given. Well, actually, uh, an update from Adam Badehill just now on that. Uh, they will no longer be picketing outside the uh, the IG field here in Winnipeg. Uh, Adam Badehill tweeting a couple minutes ago. Update for everyone. Thank you to all the support from the fans. We will not be doing any picketing. Thanks for everyone who has reached out in support. It's also, uh, as a separate way of supporting, it would be awesome to see fans posting the favorite memories and moments with CFL players. So a uh, bit of a change in tactics there, maybe a bit of a change in heart uh, from uh, the Bomber players or players in general around the league. 
Yeah, like, and I guess my bigger point was I don't know what you're hoping to accomplish by getting the fans all riled up. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, the fans support the lead. At the end of the day, they're your ticket buying public. I just don't like that the fans are being put on both sides of this as I, I don't want to say a sympathy thing for the players. Uh, I've seen support for the DFL. I've seen support for for its ownership um, structure. It's just messy, and the fans are in the middle of it, and the fans are over it. Personally, I'm over it, and this is day two. Um, it's just tiresome, to be honest. You know, another update also from the CFLPA here. Uh, there may not be no picketing going on uh, anytime soon in Winnipeg with uh, the tweet that Adam Bighill let out. However, uh, the CFLPA made a media release about an hour ago just saying that they will be standing outside together at Tim Hortons Field uh, tomorrow, and they are calling for Tiger Cat fans to join them. Uh, so maybe they're just trying to pick out a single place that's uh, that they can possibly make this make a more, bigger point. Uh, like I said, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to see that they won't that they don't want to do the picketing for some reason in Winnipeg. Yet in Hamilton, they're gonna go and lock arms and stand outside of uh, uh, Tim Hortons Field. A little funny, Trey. You know, I just from my brief interactions today on Twitter, it seemed like a lot of Winnipeg people didn't like the idea of the picketing. So maybe it's a local thing. And I, again, I didn't see that Hamilton feed as much, but that's the vibe I got. I believe there's several people like, and I kind of sit in that middle camp too. I don't know if that's a good idea for fans. Like, yes, we have an invested interest in this. Yes. We put our hard earned money to this, but like you said, we've already got division. We already got different cheering for different teams. We got different provinces. The last thing we need is fans having a league versus uh, league versus players debate. And because I can see both sides. You support the league, but you also got to support the players. So I don't like this whole pulling fans thing. And so that's the one thing I'm not a fan of that the players are doing. But everything else is kind of this whole the league screwing up, I think. Uh, you guys, uh, Brian, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think this is pulling some conflict. Uh, I think the league uh, making their statement public is to try to sway public opinion in their favor. I think the players are trying to get, uh, maybe saw that a little bit. They're trying to get the fans back on their side. And uh, feels like kind of where we're the child stuck in the middle here, so to say, of uh, parents, please don't fight. We, uh, <laughs> we just want to see you get along and we want to see you uh, get this deal done. And I think that's the overall theme from a lot of fans is that we want to get this deal done. And I, I guess, you know, what? let's backtrack a little bit. We talked about the CFL making its uh, proposal public here. Uh, they did leave some details out conveniently in Randy Ambrosi's letter to the fans. Um, I don't know, Adam, what do you think of, what do you think of that? Of not uh, uh, kind of, here's some details, but not all of the details. Is it uh, kind of, let's, let's spill as little as possible to, to appease the crowd while still trying to hold our cards tight to our chest? You know, it seemed like that a little bit. I mean, let's face it, the CFL is doing their job of trying to be, build a public relation uh, to make themselves look as great as they possibly can. 
I mean, you look at what that deal offered. Uh, there were some certain points in there that made a whole lot of sense uh, that were good points in that CFL offer. However, there were some points in there that you just kind of shook your head at and said, what are what is the CFL really doing here? For example, the salary cap increase. Like, I, from what I can read of that, I believe it was about $100,000 a year, if I'm not mistaken, is what it works out to after uh, you break it down for the uh, seven years that they want to do the CBA for. Uh, very interesting and why only that much, uh, especially with inflation right now. I mean, I don't think it's a great time uh, uh, to be, like I said, it probably would pay to add a little bit more to that. Uh, the other thing also that I was really confused about was most of this stuff all starts in 2023. So why are you wanting to change the game? Well, get at it. If you're going to do it, change some things. Let's get going with it because it doesn't make sense to go and start a CBA and then, oh, by the way, yeah, everything starts for 2023. There, but However, there were some other good parts in that uh, in there that I think made a little bit of sense. Myself, I know that some guys that are really passionate about the Canadian national uh, ratio. They're going to be probably upset with me in about probably uh, three minutes. Cause actually I actually liked how that was written and how that was put out uh, for uh, allowing Americans to become naturalized or uh, however they worded it uh, essentially count as a Canadian in the roster. Uh, I like that. It was, it was a good setup. It was a good program. And uh, you've still got a lot of Canadians in there, and you're still trying to work to keep those Canadians, most of those Canadians, on the roster. Uh, Trey, what's one one thing that you really liked and one thing that you really didn't like about the CFL's uh, offer? Uh, yeah, you know, I, with the salary cap was the big one, but then also minimum salary going up 50000 next or 5000 sorry, next year. And then in only going up another 5,000 in four years in 2027, that just to me, that seems not very enticing because these rookie co or minimum salaries, probably a lot of the guys that you're trying to get from the States to come up here for a year or two. So I felt like you should try to entice them a little more. And if minimum salary is not going up, doesn't mean the higher salaries are probably not going up a lot either. So that was the one I didn't really like. Um, the one I liked the most, I felt had nothing to do with the players and I was surprised to see it, but the timing of the season up to 30 days. So that would be May 10th next year if they choose to do that. And I know we could talk another hour about when the season should start, but that one I liked as a fan, all this other stuff to me means nothing. Like, I just hope that, you know, it doesn't, I hope the guys get their money, but it doesn't make a difference to me, the nickels and cents. So sometimes I don't overly mind if we don't get the transparency because it doesn't mean anything to me, but timing, oh, a May 10th home opener, that would be uh that'd be something. Yeah, and see, that's another problem I have with the um, with the whole thing being public is most of that doesn't really apply to the average fan. Like, if you if you really think about the demographics of the CFL, does your average I'm just throwing an age out there, ten or eleven or twelve year old kid that goes to a CFL game, do they come to the CFL game because they care about the economics? Like to me, for this proposal really being public only helps media outlets and podcasters such as ourselves because it gives us something to talk about. But Joe Smith, who's coming to a CFL game with his family, 
I don't know about you, but I didn't care about player salaries when I went to James as a young child. I went to young to James to watch guys like Milt Steedle break the all-time touchdown record. I went to the last game at the old stadium for the nostalgia of it. To me, I think you're losing a large portion of the of the sympathy by trying to make this public, and I think it's a lot of a mixed messaging because if you're not as closely integrated into the lead as we are, a lot of that is just like, oh, business stuff doesn't matter to me. And that's where I think you have to really be careful because there's a lot of people that can be put off by the dollars and cents when really they're just paying whatever they're paying to get in. They expect to be entertained within a three-hour window. The rest of it doesn't really apply to them. And I, I just worry that, you know, the whole as much as it's a pressure point, that it gets ignored uh, by a large portion of the fan base that just want to say, especially the young ones, but say, hey, I just want to see my favorite players on the field. The numbers and stuff don't make sense to me or it, it just doesn't apply to me. So they have to be, be really careful. And on that note, I have one uh, viewer question. And it was sent to me, and I'm going to word this slightly differently, but the context of it is the same. Um, there's some talk out there amongst CFL circles that the CFL cannot give any more concessions to the Players Association in a monetary form as a result of not making any money the previous two years. So for something like revenue sharing, it makes it extremely um, difficult to project, you know, what you're going to give and what you're going to take percentage-wise. How, like if this is a stumbling block, what are we thinking here as far as like the CFL being able to give, give, give. But we have to remember this is a proposition that hasn't made a lot of money, as has most businesses coming out of the pandemic. If this is the hill they're stuck on, what do you guys think as far as solutions? Because it seems to me a lot of giving and a lot of numbers and a lot of numbers being multiplied by the number of teams, but there seems to be something else missing. What 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 are your thoughts on that, Adam? If if, if the question that I'm trying to phrase uh, made sense, no, no, it made perfect sense, Michael. Uh, what I would think if if let's face it, if I'm a player, I want to see transparency, like everybody else wants to see transparency. Uh, show us the books from Toronto, even if they are a train wreck. Just show us what we're actually dealing with here. Same thing in BC. I mean, let's face it, the David Braley era is just, has just kind of left. I mean, they got good ownership now, but show us what exactly has been going on here because, you know what, 
that's how you're going to go and uh, say to the players, look, here is the deal. Here's what we're making for money. We just seen Edmonton last week. And I mean, they're one of the more stable teams in the league post a $1.4 million loss for 2021. I mean, yes, we had football, but it was in a costly, it was costly football last year. Uh, let's face it, people weren't going to games. Even a mosaic, hey, when you can't sell out Mosaic Stadium for a semifinal game, there's something up. In, it, it don't matter what what uh, uh, CFL or what uh, team you're on or what team you cheer for, there's a problem when you can't sell out Mosaic Stadium in Saskatchewan uh, for a semifinal game. So you know what? To me, I would be a first of all saying, let's see the books, let's see everything, so we can be more transparent. That's one of the little sticking points that I heard about on between the CFL and the CFLPA that the CFL doesn't want to have their books audited. Sounds pretty funny, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. The other thing I would do is say, look, we want to grow with you. We want to grow with the player. And uh, if if I was this is if I was the CFL. I would offer them maybe a little bit of an increase into the uh, uh, player uh, revenue that the share that they're talking about. Currently, I think it's 25%, I believe, uh, is what the CFL has been offering uh, the players. However, it doesn't apply to the Grey Cup and a few other little events or something around, along those lines. And again, maybe you offer them 25% across the board. It's showing that, hey, we want to grow with you. It's showing that this league has a future because, let's face it, if you're giving them 25% a year and the league profits go up, uh, which are probably expected to be going up in 2022, I would presume, uh, same thing with 2023 and on, let's hope that it keeps growing. If it does, then the CFLPA should get a piece of that, and that's the way that you can give them the money without giving them the money immediately if you want to do it that way. Trey, what, how would you do it? Well, I just want to say, we have to remember, we're not that far off from the CFL not even letting the government see the books when they ask for that magical loan, right? So are we really surprised that, like, oh, we're not going to let the government see it, so why are we going to let the players? So I'm not shocked that they're doing this. They keep shooting themselves in the foot. But you are right. They got, or Michael was right when he said they don't have much more to give, I don't think. At this point, a lot of the teams seem to be nonprofits or, you know, breaking even is a luxury. But you, your question was, what would I, how to do to fix it? Is that what you asked? Well, how would you uh, address the players? The, I think Michael's question was essentially, what does the players, the players want more money? How as a league can you do it without, you know, without having the money? You, you, you're kind of, you kind of hit the hit up earlier. You got to figure out ways to partner with them to make the money. That's all you got. Because I don't, yeah, I don't think they can actually give much more other than revenue sharing, and that's probably the revenue is all that they have. So it's kind of coming from a different, the same pocket. It's just worded differently. So I, I think that's why I've never had a good feeling every time the CBA talk comes up. Because I'm like, the CFL doesn't have any more to give. That's all it is, and it's if we can only have a, only a five million dollar roughly salary cap, like. A 10% increase really isn't that much. What are you doing? You're giving a guy $5,000 bonus each year. So I, I really don't know. I really don't know. You're going to have to partner with them to come up with these ideas to how they can um, how they can come with, uh, with the money. Because I, I, I really don't know. That's why I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, I, and 
you know, it's a great point about the lack of money being available, right? But I think what uh, what Adam had kind of said about the revenue sharing and giving them a share in the future and that. And one of the things uh, that was brought up by somebody in a Twitter conversation I was having this week is how much revenue is betting going to bring in over the next couple of years? Like this is relatively new. They had it a little bit, I think, last season. And, uh, you know, now it's going to be a more prominent part uh, right away. Uh, you know, in years to come. Just look at the NHL playoffs. Every second commercial is betting, right? Like, how, that's going to bring in a ton of revenue for the league over the coming years. So how does that play into things? That might be hard to put into the model uh, without having that actually, you know, for sure knowing uh, what the uh, the revenue from that is going to be. But there's things like that and things like the another thing that the, the PA is really focused on is um guaranteed contracts you know yes maybe you can't increase the salary but if you can at least guarantee a player that when you're going to sign them uh you're not going to cut them the day before his bonus well things like that are going to go a long way to helping get the get the players to sign a deal even if your cap increases you know aren't necessarily massive i also think there's you know, the way they frame things can be viewed as a little bit shady. Uh, you know, they talked about, oh, yeah, over the next seven-year deal, we're going to increase the salary cap by, I think it was like $18.9 or something like that. And you think, oh, nice, that's a decent chunk of change to go up. Well, our good friends over at the X's and Argos podcast kind of broke that down. And the way they did the math on that was, I think, about 100000 per team each year over the seven years and accumulating it. To get to the 18.9, they view it as, okay, we're going to have to pay the players an extra 18.9 million over the next couple of years uh, in total. But that doesn't mean the same thing when you talk about the salary cap and what a team's capable of bringing in in one year when it's, you know, only a tiny little bit being added in there. Uh, I don't know, Mike, what do you think of the framing of the, uh, of the uh, salary cap there? It's trying to make it look like a better deal than it is. You want the public perception to believe that big numbers mean a lot of progress. $16.9 million looks like a lot of money until you take the magnifying glass to it and you actually look at it and look at the fine print. It's a nice tactic for the average person who... Like I said, this 12-year-old or 13-year-old says, oh, 16.9 million. But it's the number within the number, gentlemen, and it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just like, and I'm stuck on this idea of revenue sharing based on profits because if you're Toronto, and this is just an example, Let's say you lose money. Ottawa, let's say you lose money. Edmonton, let's say you make money. Winnipeg, let's say you make money. You have different places uh, in your lead with different teams making different amounts of money. What if that total pot is negative? How does that work? And that's not a revenue-sharing agreement. Do I think there's a way to incorporate the TV money, perhaps? Absolutely, but, you know, your product has to be consumed by a lot of people. Your advertising revenue has to go up. 
Um, there, there is going to have to be some really creative ideas that are beyond my scope of creativity um, to eventually figure out where this money A is going to come from and B, how it's distributed. And while also keeping the, the greater, um, the greater uh, plan of the CFL in mind. And I, I think at the end of the day, at the end of all of this, all the CFL players are asking for, and this has already been addressed, is transparency. If the revenue sharing is going to be negative whatever based on profit, just throwing a number out there, perhaps if you open the books and explained it to your partner that this is why the revenue is zero or negative whatever, and this is why we can't give more, perhaps there'll be more understanding of the situation. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if if I was to buy something like a house or a car and previous repairs were not disclosed to me, well, it's it's like that, right? Like, what are you hiding? What are you hiding under the hood that I should be worried about down the line? That's a very genuine concern. Um, but again, it's how is this going to be fixed in the short term? And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of discussion. Why does this all start in 2023? I think some of this is extremely difficult to implement with a season. Uh, well, supposedly supposed to be going, but it's not going to happen. Uh, you can't Im- implement. Um, you can't implement um, stuff the way you want to. Another inter- interesting thing, too, that kind of just crossed my mind while we we're having this discussion: more revenue sharing opportunities, perhaps allow the players to open up themselves a little bit more to the fan base more so than they already have um so it's 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 interesting because i i don't know and like i guess the next question i have is how do we come out of this like what's it gonna take it certainly sounds like it's not money related more so than perhaps player safety, but it just seems like we're at a deadpan and who's going to be the one to pick up the phone and is willing to make some concessions based on what would get a deal done. Like you talk to certain people that say, oh, the deal's not imminent. You talk to another player that says, well, based on the information that we have, you know, we're not that far off. Like, it's almost like there's a competing agenda within the different unions and what would satisfy each person. So it's going to take some creative juices to come up with with revenue, um, which is unfortunately what the CFL needs to, I think, focus on. Is they need to focus on exterior revenue sources to help grow the business and grow the plan and you know maybe it's as simple as and this is just 
need spitball in here, and I know I'm ranting and raving, but maybe it's as simple as signing a, a traded card distribution agreement, uh, opening up, you know, player cards and trading cards, and, you know, the profit from that can be split. Um, there's also there's a lot of ways you can do it with some creativity uh, that maybe just requires some outside-the-box thinking. No, absolutely agree. I mean, let's face it, uh, the CFL, yeah, they need to do something to get some money out of uh, whatever they can get it out of. Uh, let's face it, we've all been talking video games since the beginning of time. I think we all are still waiting for that video game to happen, and guess what? It takes the CFL and PA to get together on that one. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, you know, we just had actually a neat little question here. We were kind of talking a little bit ago about uh, how the fans are directly involved in the CBA a little bit. And there's two little things that I just wanted to point out. Uh, Tim Capper, thanks for watching over on YouTube, actually had a great question. Has the CBA always had the per-team community slash promotion cash pot for players? The CFL and the CBA before never had any of that. Uh, they had uh, they had a per team thing, so the Rough Riders had their own little separate pot just to try to encourage some players to go party events, uh, make sure that they're helping out with it. But the CBA, and this is from the uh, CFL, has never actually uh, done this themselves with the CBA. So I kind of like that. It's I think it's about five point nine million dollars in total that they are putting forward throughout the seven years, I believe. And uh, just to get CFL players more involved in their communities. And I really like that idea because, you know what, let's face it, some uh, some Americans getting into Winnipeg, getting into Regina, getting into Hamilton even for that example, is a little bit tough and it's expensive and planes are not cheap anymore. And let's face it, fuel ain't much cheaper. So it's a great little initiative to try to get involved. The other one, though, that was very interesting, and Trey, maybe you want to mention this one, was the fan, uh, I'm not sure what this really meant by Randy Ambrosi, and he never really got involved on this one. Um, yeah, Trey or Ryan, what do you guys think of this fan code of conduct? I mean, am I allowed to say anything bad anymore about the CFL or... I don't. I guess this is a this is a follow up to what happened in Toronto. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, so it's got to be, I'm, you know. And and we, you know, we see a lot. Actually, I see a lot of it in the states right now. You're watching basketball games where like vegan protesters are going onto the uh, court, and I think there's a kid that got onto a Blue Jays game the other day. You know, so it, and you see it all the time in Europe and soccer. So I understand, like you know, football is one of the rare sports where you have a fair bit of divide between the players and the crowd usually it's not like basketball where you're breathing down LeBron's neck when he's shooting a three so I understand it but also at the same time we are small communities so you know it's it's not the same equipment it's almost yelling at your kids high school kids coach when you're yelling down at O'Shea he could live two blocks from you you know he's not Bill Belichick that lives in some big mansion probably somewhere where you need three gate codes to get in and you know so I understand it, and I'm actually surprised that it's a, it's an issue. Like that whole thing in Toronto should have never happened. That you shouldn't have them walk like that. And even if you do, you should have like security or something there. Like it was just a mess. And yeah, I think the you're the biggest loser ever if you go onto the field during the game. Like I don't. It's overdone. It's not funny anymore. It was funny one time 
20 years ago. So I don't know, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, it's this has got to be a result of what happened there with Toronto, right? Like, uh, absolutely, I agree. I, that's my the first thing that came to mind for me as well. And when I saw that uh, this was in there, part of me was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, how can they regulate that? Like, I'm not under contract with the CFL or the CFLPA. So how do I... <laughs> How do I end up in, in a term in the contract? I mean, the stadiums all have the rules. You go to the Bomber game. I'm sure it's the same at a Riders game as well. Before the game starts, they announce fan code of conduct. And, you know, as somebody buying a ticket, that that consider that your contract for that particular game you're attending uh, to behave and act in an appropriate manner there. So uh, I guess the league, you know, trying to maybe formalize things a little more into the CBA to, you know, try to promise players, hey, we're not going to let this happen again. Like what happened there in, in that incident in Toronto? But yeah, most definitely an interesting one there as well. And you had talked about the community and, and promotion cash pot there for the players. I find that one a little interesting because I agree. I think it's great. I love seeing teams and players involved out in the communities. And I think that's certainly one way you help grow the game. And maybe that leads to more revenue down the road. Maybe that's what they're thinking here. But it's kind of interesting when you have the players saying, we want more money, uh, you know, in our contracts here. And then you have the league saying, sorry, we don't really have more money to give you. But then you have this money allotted to these other endeavors, right? Which uh, maybe, you know, that's maybe that's part of the sticking point. Maybe it's not. Uh, I find that a little bit interesting there, but uh, yeah, the CFL outlines this proposal. Overall, I think they're making prog. Pro I think they made a lot of progress on some of these things, and it seemed seemed a little bit promising after you know three straight days of twelve hour days of negotiations. Okay, this proposal comes out. Okay, we're making progress. Maybe we're going to get it done in time for training camp. Probably going to be a bit tight, but maybe then we're going to get it done. You know, sometime this week, right? Is what it's seeming like at the time, but. The CFL fires out their, their public notice. The PA fires back and uh, an article on Three Down Nation, uh, you know, basically accused uh, the, the CFL leadership of forcing an unnecessary work stoppage and saying, we still feel we're far apart on uh, a number of issues, including extended rehabilitation, improved safety, contract security and continuity, true revenue sharing and improved compensation. And I would say these are all valid issues and the safety is definitely a concern uh, uh, for the players. And there's a reason padded practices were removed uh, a couple of seasons uh, or in the last couple of seasons. And I forget who it was. It might've been Adam Big Hill himself saying on Twitter the other day that like we removed padded practices and injuries went down 33%. So why are we trying to bring them back? Uh, so, you know, so there's still conflict. Yes, things moved a little closer, but there's still most definitely, uh, you know, some issues that need to be resolved here between the two sides. Yep, for sure. Uh, the, speaking of safety, uh, the, I know that the CFL PA has shown that, yes, the, the, uh, padded practices when happening, uh, they were, there were injuries occurring. Um, however, has anybody else noticed maybe a lack of quality of tackles in the last three, four, five, six years because we haven't had uh, any proper practice with tackling with pads on? Now, that being said, I understand. You want to keep players as safe as possible. 
I, it is absolutely perplexing to me why we are still talking about a player that goes and gets injured during practice is not compensated for anything. Uh, that is still not in the CBA. When a player gets hurt, a player gets hurt. It don't matter if it's on the field, if it's uh, going and playing with a medicine ball during in the middle of the field in Mosaic Stadium just before a season starts, or if it's any other time. When a player gets hurt, he's got to be compensated. I mean, let's face it; it's it, it's just just basic human or human part, right? If a guy gets hurt, you want to help him, and let's face it, nobody wants to get hurt. But again, I, I can see where the CFL is coming with the padded practice part and saying, look, tackling quality and uh, quality of play has gone down because of this. And I can see where the CFLPA is coming, where they say, hey, this is it help, are hurting us for injuries. Uh, so, you know, there's got to be a happy medium somewhere in there. Also, extending uh, practice times, I believe, was another issue that was coming up. Uh, again, it's fine to have extended practice. Maybe it's just in the video room. Maybe it's somewhere else. That's all practice, essentially. Uh, but I think the big thing that they need to work on is how do you compensate a player when he gets injured during practice? And then they can maybe move on to explaining, okay, here's why we're going to do padded practices. And again, from what I can read uh, with uh, Dave Naylor's, uh from TSN's article, uh, padded practices were going to be one hour per week. So not a whole lot of padded practice. Essentially, it's mostly just to get those reps in, make sure you're ready. And there are some young guys that don't understand that CFL is wide open football and you got to be able to tackle very well. And if you can't, the guy's going for a long game. So to me, I could see why they're doing that. Uh, but like I said, on the other side, I could see why the PA doesn't want to do it. Uh, Trey, is there anything in safety parts that you'd like to see maybe changed uh, with the CFL CBA? Yeah, I agree with you. Like if you get hurt in practice, to me, you're on the clock, right? That's, that's, you get hurt in the lunchroom at your work, you're still at the office, right? Like it's still workers comp. So I don't understand. I'm no lawyer by any means. I don't understand the legality of that, how they can get around that. But anyway, um, the one that I've always been bothered by, and I don't know if I can find him in here right now, but the, how long you're covered after you leave the CFL uh, I can't think of the guy's name of ex blue bomber, Jonathan Hefney. Yeah, there we go. Um, really had some issues after football. And I think that's the one that should be a big sticking point. And I'm sure there's tons of guys like that who, you know, they give five, six years to the CFL and then you're cut and you're done and you have, you know, potentially concussions, other injuries, and you're all on your own. And a lot of those guys go back to the States where they don't have that sweet, sweet free health care. So it, it's, I think that's the one I really, well, here it is, player rehab and medical costs. Yeah. Three years post playing to four years beginning in 2025. So I think that's one that should have been a guarantee. Like four years even sounds not enough. I understand there's, again, where's the money going to come from for this insurance? But, you know, <laughs> four years and you're putting your line or your body on the line like that, for, like, and, so you got to give somewhere if you want the guys having these padded practices. Well, you probably got to compensate them more on the back end then. Uh, right, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that the league has said in their proposal or the players have said as well is, you know, we would welcome potentially padded practices coming back here. But uh, if so, like we want more compensation post-career because players get injured. You see it all the time, long lasting effects, short-term injuries that may end a player's career. 
They may not have issues 20 years down the road from one or too many hits in football. Uh, granted, I don't think the league will ever, you know, supply benefits 20 years down the road. But, you know, right now I think it's three, you know, maybe maybe a little longer uh, would help there as well. But, uh, yeah, all of these issues, they still seem to be uh, back and forth on here. And uh, which leads us to, you know, the players are striking. The players on seven of the nine teams uh, officially not attending training camp. Uh, for their respective clubs, the only ones, uh, the Edmonton Elks and the Calgary Stampeders. So uh, Battle of Alberta, uh, both uh, on the ra- on the ice and on the field this season, I guess. Uh, preseason power rankings. You like Edmonton, you like Calgary. Those are the only two teams for now uh, until they, uh, they officially strike in the coming days. Their players all voted in favor as well. So uh mike uh what do you think about uh where we're at here right now the the players taking their stand here on the deal first time i believe we have a player strike since 1974 in the cfl um what's so different about this year than uh you know we've seen a number of cba negotiations over the years and uh where we're at with the players taking a stand why well, I, I think it's simple i think the players are sitting tired of being Sit and tired of taking to the cleaners all the time. Um, they realize that every bad deal has been negotiated at the last minute. Uh, they realize there's no benefit to them. Um, this year's, this group of players in this generation um, is aware of a lot more of the issues of playing football, whether that's Injury risk, among other subjects. Um, guys, I hate to be the negative Nelly in this whole discussion, but from what I've read and what I've seen and what we've discussed here in the last almost an hour, I don't see how we're anywhere close to a deal here. Um, there seems to be one issue which leads to another issue. Um, it doesn't just seem like, okay, if we address this issue, then that issue and that issue and that issue will be resolved. Um, I also wonder if the players are taking too big of a, too big of a stand. And what I mean by that is, they realize they've been taken to the cleaners the last couple of CBAs. Um, and they're asking for too much too soon to try to fix what they feel is the issues and rightly so are the issues. I'm wondering if the CFL is taking exception to um, too much being asked of them at once. Uh, I wonder if the tactic of a shorter term CBA in the two to four year range would benefit everybody. And, you know, you take a little piece at a time with each negotiation. Um, That's the only way for me I see this being done. Um, I love the CFL, but there just seems to be way too many outstanding issues. Um, Granted, I realize things could change with one phone call, but there doesn't appear to be any bargaining sessions in place for this week. 
I had to change with one phone call. I had to change with one private meeting, i.e. the head of the owners and the player committee having a private meeting and saying, what's it going to take? And it's done behind closed doors. And, but again, I just, like, I wonder, keeping in mind, of course, every negotiation has a pressure point. Um, and, and when that pressure point is, is probably in the next couple of days when Alberta joins the the forces of a strike. Um, and then you're looking at opening night, but I hate to be that negative person, but there just seems to be way too many outstanding issues to be close enough for a deal. And again, that all changes with one phone call, but certainly seems like that phone call ain't coming anytime soon. Yeah, I'm going to jump in with my rant of the episode here because, uh, you know, May 23rd, next Monday, CFL's first preseason game is supposed to kick off between the Bombers and the Riders. Um, Pretty sure that's not happening at this point, right? Uh, They've officially said if the CBA, uh, according to a report from Dave Naylor, the CBA is not negotiated by Wednesday. That preseason game is not going to happen on time. It might happen late. Who knows? They might reschedule it depending how things go. Uh, but there have been a lot of people up in arms over the last couple of days. Of we're missing training camp. We're missing preseason. Hot take maybe here. I don't mind that we have missed training camp, that we have missed preseason in the sense that, uh, sure, I would have wished they would have started negotiating three months ago and gotten this all done on time. But if they were, if we were in the current situation of negotiating now at the end of the term, I'm happy to see the players taking a stand. I'm happy to see both sides kind of working at it until they find a deal they're satisfied with. I don't mind missing one preseason game if it's if it's going to be, you know, the next seven years, five years, whatever it is, of a deal both sides are happy with, that they're going to work happily in unison and we're not for the next three, four years going to hear, oh, I was cheated out of a deal or something like that, right? Like, thinking of the big picture, the long, the the grand scheme of things, it's a preseason game versus, yeah, we get a deal. The players are happy with the players are motivated. The league's motivated to, to grow the game, to, you know, put entertaining product out on the field that we're going to enjoy for years to come. So, you know, it's unfortunate that we're in this situation. I wish we never got here to begin with, but I, I, maybe it's just the optimist in me looking at the positives of, yeah, like Mike said, you know, the CFLPA is not standing down at this moment. I think they might eventually as time goes along. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I kind of like to see that, uh, that they are standing their ground here and fighting for a fair deal instead of just giving in to what the, uh, what the CFL says there. Uh, Adam, what do you think? No, I have to agree, Ryan. I mean, let's face it. I came on here last week and I said Saturday we will have a deal. Uh, We will be playing, uh, having training camp at regular times. And I'll tell you right now, Trey, I hope you have that little banner behind you that says Trey was right. Uh, Trey was right. Uh, You know what? I'm not looking forward to this right now. It's all fun and games until you miss a Riders-Bombers game and preseason. I mean, let's face it. The pressure's got to be on both teams. But you know what I want to say on this, though, is we're at a crossroads with the CFL right now. Uh, This has never really happened since 1974, having a strike and having a CFLPA that has been this adamant 
and this persistent and this, uh, I guess, uh, unified that they want to keep this going. I don't think I've seen that for a very long time. Uh, that being said, I've seen the CFL before try to do some strong arming and try to get their way, and it hasn't worked. As much as you think it has, it hasn't. The CFL and the CFLPA both have to realize that there's only so much money in the CFL. Uh, the CFLPA can't be asking for millions of dollars. They just can't. It's not there in the CFL yet. In a few years, you like Mike said earlier, it's going to go and uh, it's going to be one of those that uh, you're going to probably slowly build yourself up and you got to build yourself up. They should. They're a darn good entertaining crew that are unique from the NFL. They are a, a professional sports union and they've shown it. They, they've done a very good job of this so far. Uh, like I said, I think the CFL PA has finally maybe made a corner here. And that means that the CFL needs to pivot with them or they're going to be left behind. Uh, the CFL has got to start growing and by hook or by however they can do it, they've got to do it. Uh, they just need to go and they need to uh, just keep building. And if they aren't, you're going to have these problems all the time with the CFL PA. The, the PA knows that they are a good, uh, good organization and they know that their players are very good. Uh, like I said, it's time that the CFL recognizes this and says to them, Hey, we want to be your partner, just like the NFL and the NFL PA, have you, when was the last time you ever heard of an NFLPA strike? Been a very, very, very long time since there's been a PA issue. Uh, there's been some little hiccups here or there, a suspension or whatever. It's nothing major, though. And usually the CBA gets worked out uh, as a group. They don't usually go and the NFL owners go and try to pull the arms hard of the C NFLPA and say, you got nothing. Uh, here... I think maybe the CFLPA has finally done it, that they're going to have to, that the CFL is going to have to work with them and actually properly work with them, not just say, here's the deal, take it or leave it. Uh, but that being said, I sure hope that the CFL uh, gets, uh, what do you call it, its act together quickly because I don't know if the CFLPA is going to budge much this time. We've got uh, we've got some comments here in the chat uh, as well. Uh, Shane saying, uh, "Are they actually working at it though? No scheduled meetings. League saying they have given their final offer. It's such a crucial year to finally do it all right. It's absolutely shameful. The two sides are pulling this crap, and you know the CFL seems to always find a way to shoot themselves in both feet." To me, it's the it's almost the case of the CFL left it to the last minute because they thought the 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 PA would fold, and because the, this is the first strike since 1974. Uh, Trey, what do you think about all of this and, and those comments? Well, first, I'm gonna have to get my girlfriend out here so she can hear Adam say I was right because that's never <laughs> happened in this house, right? So, um, but yeah, I agree with what Shane also said. This is a crucial year. And, you know, it, 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 it's a tough year to do it in, like right out of the pandemic, but it's a crucial one. They, you know, and that's why I'm surprised they're going for such a big chunk, um, a big trying to go for such a long term, even seven years or whatever the last one was seems very long. It's almost like you need to do a two, three, four, one, kind of see what the economics is like after, hopefully when COVID is as done as it can be, and then, and then reevaluate. Um, I'm going to go on another limb here because, you know, since I've been making bold predictions, I'm going to say the Toronto Maple Leafs 
will play more games in May this year than there will be probably games in the first two or three weeks of the CFL season. Because I think, yeah, because I think, I, I agree. The players are giving it to the league right now. They, like you said, Adam, when has the NFL done this? No, the NFL says we're adding a game. The PA says, okay, you know, we're adding, we're taking away a preseason game. We're adding a regular season game. Okay, we're adding a new playoff team. Okay, because they know the money's going to come in. Like they, they already have this all set up. They have their revenue sharing. They have guys making anywhere from two, three, four million to what Mahomes at 50. Like they don't have any problem with this. And Tom Brady's got his retirement even more locked up. Like they got their retirements locked up if you can make 40 million on Fox after. So they don't have to worry about it. So these guys trying to worry about it, because I don't even know what's the highest paid player, probably 500,000 roughly. Bo Levi, Caleros in there somewhere. I think it's Caleros at 550. Okay, 550. So that's it's a big chunk of change. That's probably more money than I'm going to have uh, – come in at a year but still it, it's money you know they got kids they got family they go down to the states they have a lot of travel expense i'm sure so that gets eaten up and that's before our great canadian tax too probably so you know a lot that comes down and down and down and down and they need to come up with it and we joke we can talk about all these ideas if you can have every league imaginable in nhl why can't you add the cfl to madden like, that's been my question. If you can have some the kids from the Wheat Kings play, you know, whatever other team, right, then why can't you have the CFL team? You used to have NFL Europe on Madden, and you just have a bunch of bums that were running 20, like 20 speed, and it was garbage. But you could still have the CFL in there and do something and, like, anything. Like, honestly, I would even just take the hit as the league and say, hey, EA, here's our rights. Do whatever you want with it kind of thing for a few years and then renegotiate because this is going to be free advertising and like i said about last week too i said about the xfl they got the rock they got Fortnite, they got whatever he does you know he's one of the highest paid actors in the world what does the cfl have yeah great we got guys like the new president in edmonton and we got guys like then will ferrell wearing a bc lions jersey but is he gonna come to an actual game is he really gonna is that really gonna do a lot who knows so I think that, yeah, I think I liked what Shane said. They are pulling this crap, and I can't, I can't believe it either. Uh, whoever wants to go, to yeah, that. you know. That being said, like I said, there's only so much. Again, in the CFL, there's only so much money to go around. I'm surprised, like you said before, that the players are going for a big, for a big swing right now, uh, just because of. Uh, because of what's all happened in the last few years. Let's face it, COVID pretty much bankrupted teams. When, when like I say, Saskatchewan and Edmonton are losing money, that's not good for the CFL at all. And now, again, the CFL did ask the CFLPA to take a little bit of a different, uh, an abbreviated and a lighter pay salary during the 2021 season. And I'm sure that's why the CFLPA right now is saying, okay, it's payback time time to pay it back and you know what it makes sense but again there's all it's still the cfl which is uh what do you call light uh, light funded league i mean it's just it always has been that way and it, it like let's face it i want to see it grow up and i'd rather like to see it pass the nfl for for stature that would be awesome seeing billions of dollars going into the cfl it probably won't happen this year, though, and I hope the CFLPA realizes that. Uh, that being said, I hope you get what you can get. But in the end, 
We got to play football. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, if I could just add on to Shane's comment about are they actually working at it, though, like that whole perception to me, this, what I mean is happening is I, I mean there's a cooling down period happening and a refainting period. Because to be honest with you, to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking, and you're pounding at the wall to try to get something done, it's extremely counterproductive. It's extreme. Like if there's, if it's clear that there's no deal to be made, sometimes the best thing to do is just take a step back and reevaluate. At some point, somebody has to make the move, and you know, I have a feeling they're working at this behind the scenes a lot further down the line than we think it is, because the different, the different sides are working on different ideas and there has to be an exchange of ideas here somewhere down the line to um there has to be an exchange of ideas uh in the event of renegotiation get restarted so i i think you're always working in behind the scenes on something within your respective ranks but to me this is just a cooling down period and two sides of it recognize there's no deal to be made so why keep talking if you're, it's like, why you keep talking to the wall if there's no uh, response? And if there's no response, what's the point of talking? And I, I agree, it's awful, it's a critical year, it's the first real legit opportunity to have an 18-game season in its entirety. To, to me, it, it's just... I don't want to see a brother take the owners uh, to the cleaners. I don't want the owners to take the players to the cleaners either. There's common ground. There's something called common sense. It's unfortunate, but, you know, the players are trying to take this Hail Mary and ask for a whole lot. And at the end of the day, I just think there's a cooling down period. And somebody has to come to their senses and realize Okay, we agree to this, 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 and this. What about this? What about that? If we do this, would you do that? There's got to be compromise. This is not a partnership right now. This is the stare down. This is an angry. Uh, this is an angry time. Uh, it is emotional for both sides, and if it's that emotional, what's best is just step away. Take a breath, take a few days, paint things through. Because as I've said before, and I think I said this last week, there's no pressure point quite yet. The pressure point is not the preseason. The pressure point is week one. The pressure point is chats, losing chats, sending players back home. That is the worst case scenario, and that is the pressure point. Yeah, and and I, I agreed with that as well. And I think uh, you know your what you were just saying uh, matches the sentiments that you know uh, Shane put in the chat here as well. That uh, yeah, the timing of that's not great coming right out of you know first season back, shortened season from COVID and, and everything like that. And uh, I am interested to see what kind of length of contract the 
players are looking for here because we heard maybe the league wanted a 10-year contract. Now we've seen they've proposed a seven-year contract. Like, is the league trying to lock in for a long-term deal? Is the PA also trying to lock in for a long-term deal? Do they want a shorter one that's, you know, a couple of years and then we we make some progress? Uh, because I do agree with what's being said here that, you know, maybe if it's a shorter deal, maybe they don't need to go to such extremes uh, in what they get from the deal. You make some progress and you make some more progress in a couple of years. So uh, interesting stand still there. I'd love to see more kind of much like we got from the CFL's proposal, not necessarily their publicly announced one, but the the one that Dave Naylor was able to, to more details to fish up. I would love to see the PA side of things truly see we know which side of what the CFL has offered that they're not happy with. Now I want to see what they're offering to see or wanting to see just how far we're off on, on those deals. Right. Because uh, are we a mile off or we, is it a game of inches here? Like how far away are we truly from getting this done? Look, the deal could be very close for all we know right now, but it doesn't seem like it because they're not talking anymore, which is the big issue here. Uh, I don't know. Anybody have any more thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Ryan. I mean, let's face it, if you want to make a deal on something, you got to talk. Um, it, being in the car sales world, I mean, let's face it, they always said, though, the one thing that is in any negotiator's mind is the, first, there's, the person that talks first loses. And I hope that's not what we've gotten to here, that the CFLPA is worried if they speak to the CFL, they're going to lose this. If the CFL thinks that they talk to the PA, they're going to lose this. Let's face it, if there's a deal that nobody's happy with yet everybody agrees to, that's probably what we need to do. And I believe maybe it might be – it seems like the CFL is the one that wants a seven-year, ten-year deal, and I could see why. Let's face it, we all know what's cooking down south of the border. Any any hints in what I'm saying there? Anyways, uh, with that being said – if you're, if you're going to be worrying about the XFL coming, you obviously want a longer deal to happen uh, at, in the CFL's eyes. If I was the CFL PA right now, I'd be negotiating for a two-year deal. I just, I'd two or three at the most. I would just go and say, okay, we're going to go and we're going to just increase modestly and everything else is fine. We'll do that. But in three years, when this deal comes back up and there's another league on the side of me and they're on the side of the CFL that's trying to get our players we're going to be asking for a lot more than what we're asking for right now. Now, again, the CFL should be terrified of that prospect if they want to actually not increase in revenues and everything else, or they could get excited about that because they got a chance to build their league back up, get everything going again. And then, Hey, it is time to then reward the players. And like Shane just said here in the comments, he'd love to see, and I would too love to see every player make a hundred K minimum you'd be able to keep some of those players like Matlin Riley or Riley. Uh, yeah, I think I said that right. I hope it did. Sorry about that. So Saskatchewan. Uh, uh, you'd be able to keep some of those players that are going to university, getting a degree and saying, I'm going to play the CFL for minimum. No. Why would I do that? Because I'm just going to beat my body up and do it for what? Nothing. It doesn't make any sense. And you know what? I'd love to see every player get hundred K minimum and an average salary of 150 K. But you're right, the CFL can't afford that right now, plain and simple. Uh, but again, that being said, that's where the CFLPA needs to get creative and just say, hey, two-year bridge gap. We'll increase very modestly the salary cap, just a very small one. We'll take 5% uh, revenue share 
but we want those two years only. Final question here as we go kind of around the horn uh, to wrap this up for today is where do we go from here? Like we talked about what we, what should happen for each side, what we think we want to happen. What actually happens here going forward? Uh, Trey, uh, the master of predictions here. Uh, Let's start with you. Uh, You know, who, who breaks first, who, who calls who, uh, and uh, how soon do we realistically think these two sides get back together and get a deal done? Well, I gotta have. Uh, we're gonna do some Doctor Strange multiverse here. I think there's two possible multiverses for this situation. The one is the players are gonna have to break if we want football this year. Like we, they, they're gonna come to the realization that they gotta come. They gotta get their money, right? So that's the one. But my other side is if they decide to stay strong. Why would they bend? Like, I think, why would they bend in July and August? Like, why? Like I said, some of these guys already have jobs eight, the other six, seven months of the year. Why would they bend? Why would they come up here and risk a lot of that? Just stick it out. So I, I think we're either, they either need to bend this week or we're, like I said, we're going to be praying for hockey season because there's nothing else to be watching from now until then, maybe because, or NFL. Right. Or Jade's playoffs. Like we're going to be thinking of all of that. And I think it might be another year of sitting on our hands, just waiting. Cause if they don't break by opening day, I don't see any real reason why they decide to do it. Week two, week three, week four, they're willing to lose their checks or willing to find their other job. They're, they're not going to quit their job and come back up here. Once they find that job might be equal money and they're not killing themselves. And I think Adam said last week, or a couple of guys said, you know, while well, they want to win, they want to win. Yeah, I'm sure they do, but you gotta weigh the options, guys. So what do you think? Trey, today I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna ask you this straight out. Yeah. Um just, just so I I'm under understanding what you're saying. I, I think I get what you're saying, but I just want to make sure. You're saying if nobody breaks in the next two to three weeks, in your mind, we could be looking at potentially a lost season. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. I don't see why not. If the players are willing to go this deep and miss, like I said, one check, like I, I don't see why they would stop week two, three, and then decide to talk then. And I think the longer it goes, the more power they potentially could have if they say, "Hey, screw you, CFL. We don't need your money." Then the, that's going to force the CFL to do something because, unfortunately, the stadiums, the owners, everything, they need the players. The players don't necessarily need them. They have other potential opportunities. Are we looking at the possibility of CFL looking at replacement players? Who? USFL guys that just played eight weeks? Or college guys? I don't know because MLB tried that once before with double-A players and it didn't work out good. I don't, I don't think they'll do replacement. Is there enough – football players that you could have decent football let's face it there's a pile of nfl uh uh what do you call ncaa uh uh, colleges that are always having senior bowls and always having senior players uh i think that there's enough that you could still the, the quality would be absolutely terrible but there are the replacement players if we do need to. That being said, again, they're scabs and they'll be absolutely torn apart by the CFLPA. But again, I think that there's enough players anyways. There might be, but I don't think the CFL, well, 
they might threaten that. I don't think they would do it because I think that would almost tarnish the reputation, the little reputation that, that they have. I think that would destroy it even more. I think, yeah, they, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not liking this boys. And like I said, we've sat through hockey lockouts. We sat through baseball, you know, and I just, it, it's giving me a lot of vibes of uh, the NHL one where, the last one where they have like a half season or a quarter season kind of thing. It's giving me vibes of that. And I just think because unless, okay, maybe I won't go full lockout, but I'll say they'll be pushing for that Labor Day start like they were with COVID. I think that might be a push thing, but I don't think, again, that's a good idea. Well, I'll jump in here. And I think you make a great point about, yeah, once you're striking, like why, why quit once you're halfway there? Otherwise it kind of seems like, you know, what was the point of missing those first checks? If you're just going to cave, why didn't you cave way back when? I think maybe that leads to the CFL is the first one to finally say, you know what, I guess we should come back to the table. They're really not going to take the deal we put out there for them. That being said, I think the deal still maybe trends a little more in the CFL's direction when it comes out. I think the CFL starts the conversation again. They maybe adjust things a little bit. But we're still seeing, you know, something maybe close to what we've seen already from the CFL's deal out of here where, okay, the CFL in good faith now or maybe not in good faith is finally like, we don't want to miss games. Let's get this deal done. Okay, what is it going to take? Now let's get back to the table and negotiate. Because I believe with the three straight days of negotiations they had, one or two more on top of there, very well could have gotten this deal done. But something happened, put a sour taste in the mouth and said, no, we're going to break this off. Uh, we want them to take this deal, and enough is enough. But, uh, well, time time is a ticking here, right? And uh, as time goes on, things are going to get a little more uh, stressful uh, for the league there. Uh, Adam, uh, what do you think? When does this get resolved, and who calls first? Well, my Saturday uh, prediction is all in shambles now. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go and... I'm going to push it back a little bit. I'm going to say that we're going to lose a football game. Unfortunately, it has to be the Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think that game is pretty much gone, though, at this point. Uh, let's face it. I think, though, uh, Trey, I think you might be uh, mistaken on one thing about players not uh, caving. They have a hell of a passion, a heck of a passion. Sorry, I did let one go. Uh Anyways, uh, they, they, passion is a thing that we all know about in here. Trey, of course, you know, with harness racing, myself with farming. Uh, uh, like I said, Michael, Ryan, you guys are passionate Blue Bomber fans. Let's face it, you'll do some funny things and weird things if you've got an absolute love for something. You'll, you'll do what you have to do to make it happen that you can enjoy what you love doing. Let's face it, some guys are here for the check, and there are a few of those, no doubt. There are some guys that just love football, and they want to play football no matter what it takes. And eventually, those guys will be the ones to drag this back to the table and say, let's play some football. Whether it's a CFL executive like Victor Kui, who proved now that he is a big football guy, or is it a guy from the, from Hamilton uh, maybe it's Simone Lawrence that just wants to play. Maybe it's his last year, and he wants to make sure that his last year is played. He doesn't want to sit out a year and not be able to play. I mean, a guy like Charleston Hughes, Hughes who just got three signed by the Rough Riders, this could be it. And 
when you got those kind of guys in there, they are going to push to play football no matter how they can play football or where they can play football. Uh, it's the CFL right now is the place they want to play it. And eventually I think that they are the ones that are going to have to push back and say, we want a deal. Let's, let's make something happen. And if those are the guys that are going to make your deal eventually, I don't think it's going to drag this out to regular season though. I think preseason, we may lose game two, uh, three, maybe even, uh, but I don't think we're going to lose a, uh, a regular season game. Mike, what do you think? One thing I am liking is Shane's latest comment before I get to my spiel. He says, the silly thing is, as with the negotiation, if they miss a few game shots, they'll never make it back over the term of the deal. So what's the point? Well, my initial reaction to that, and it's something we've heard before. It's to protect the players after us. We're willing to sacrifice a little bit for the betterment of future players. But again, you know, your your points while taken. Um, you know, I, I understand the passion on both sides. It's fans are stuck in the middle because, you know, there's a running joke out there. Among some of my friends who aren't Bomber fans that are friends of other teams but said, well, every single time I want to play Blue Bombers when the Great Cup, there's some kind of crisis immediately afterward. Uh, year one was, uh, you know, COVID and the last season, and they went again, and now we have a lockout. So, I don't know, just coincidence and a joke more than anything, but... You know, sometimes it really makes you wonder. Um, but no, as far as where we go from here, uh, I, I kind of said this earlier uh, in my rant, and that was, uh, I believe there's a deal to be made. The question is, how late is too late? Uh, I'm all for a cooling off period if that's what's required. Um, I hope we don't lose an entire season, but... Speaking as somebody that, you know, fans already have lost one season two years ago, uh, not of their own doing. I don't know about you guys, but I found some pretty cool and interesting stuff to do with my time and when I would normally watch CFL football. That's the danger in this. Like, I'm a diehard through and through because of the podcast and media work. But the rest of it, the rest of it with, you know, here in Manitoba, you have option to go to your cottage for a weekend with your family. Last thing people thought about and a lot of that, granted there were other stuff there, there was other stuff going on in the world. But people have found a way to make things work without the sport that they love. That is the danger that the CFL is running into. And, you know, that Blue Jay team is not playing very well right now. But when they heat up in June, July, August, which is the height of the CFL season, will they be the forgotten afterthought amongst your casual observers? And that that's the part that the CFL is struggling to reach. They're not struggling to reach Ryan 
or Adam or Trey. They're struggling to reach the fan on the street that said, oh, what's the CFL? So they come to a game and they get captivated. They're not going to have any problem getting us back. But the minute you remove yourself from people's lives, it's very hard to get that attention back. Unless you're the NHL, unless you're the NFL. CFL doesn't have that luxury. If I could just beat to both sides for just one minute, there's a deal to be made here without being greedy. Give and take on both sides. We'll get this deal done. It might not be pretty. You might not get everything you want. Get a deal done. For the betterment of yourselves, the betterment of the fans. You all say you want to play football so badly. Find a way to get it done within reason so that we can all be back to talking about weekly recaps instead of having weekly CBA negotiation therapy sessions. Because quite honestly, I'm getting sick of it. As much as I love this discussion, I'd much rather be talking about football on the field instead of the boardroom. Yeah, and I want to add one point because you're saying we can find other things to do. We've got to remember what's a growing sport in Canada right now, and we're hosting a part of the World Cup that's going on over the summer. That's soccer. You know, you're talking to the Jays. That's big, too. But we got CPL. We got MLS. They're prime time, too. They start May and go till October or November even, right? So, you know, I've taken my kids to both, and they're both at IG Field. My kids hardly can tell, like, you know, they're seven and four. They just know there's a game going on at IG Field. They don't really care about the difference of football and soccer at this age, right? So they might start pulling to want to go to soccer if that's the option. They might want to pull to go to a Gold Eyes game if that's the option, right? They might want to go to the racetrack. Like, you know, I make them go to the racetrack, but you know, that, that, that's the point too. Like we, 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 you're right. They want to get the average fan in off the street, but you also got to get the kids because you know, the kids are, their, their attention spans are non-existent. If you over the last, if it, let's say hypothetically, this is a whole lockout, this whole season's washed. This is hypothetically, that means over the last three years, they played 13 games, right? Like that is, or 13 weeks, right? Of games. That's you got to have more than that to keep the attention span of the younger fan. You need to have that, like you need to have the 20 plus games every year to keep it going. And I don't know. I think they're a real big risk of losing the casual fan and the younger fan. If we don't get a deal done. And like I said, I think it's one or the other. Like I said, I think it's going to be the, the CPA folds and everything's good or they decide to hold it out. And I can, I could see them holding it out for a very long time. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that, but I think it's, I'm really, you know, it's either or. No, you know what? You're absolutely right. I mean, let's face it. There are so many other things you could be doing in the summer. You can go to the beach. You can go and watch soccer. The other day in small town Saskatchewan, which you'd never have seen before, there was a soccer practice going on with eight-year-olds. I've never seen a young, uh, in small town Saskatchewan a soccer practice, in all honesty. In Yorkton, yeah, a little bit, but not in small town. Uh, so you're right. The CFL and the CFLPA got to realize there's a lot at stake here and it's not just them this time. It's losing the casual fan, the guy that comes to a football game for the experience. Exactly. Like, I mean, you come to Saskatchewan, you, you come to check out the game. You want to hang out in pill country and visit with your buddies. And that's what they're going to lose on very quickly because you know what? 
fans don't want to be frustrated. They just want to have a good time and enjoy themselves. And if you're going to sit around and talk about CBA all day, like you said, Michael, this is this is killing me doing these uh, the group therapy sessions too. I would love to be talking about right now how the Ottawa Red Blacks need to go and uh, move on for Paul Lapolis before the season even starts. But I can't talk about that because we got to talk about CBA. So you know what? I'll leave it at that. But hey, let's uh, let's hope that there's a CBA done soon because yeah, I want to get back to football too. I, I think Shane in the chat is, sums this up really well. Fans use sports for escapism. It gives them a break from their daily stresses and frustrations can go away for three hours and be replaced with joy. And if the league becomes a trigger of frustration, that's a problem, uh, right? And I think we're all, we're all, you know, echoing the same thing here. We hope a deal gets done. We want a deal to get done. We want a deal done that both sides feel comfortable with. Uh, obviously, we don't want to see anybody shoehorned into a deal. Uh, and at the end of the day, we just want to get a deal done, and we want football to be back out there on the field. And uh, hopefully, like you said, these sessions can finish and we can get on our way with season preview content. And uh, if things wrap up you know, somehow this week, next week we'll be doing a season preview show. Look forward to that. As I said last week, if not... Well, we'll be back here talking more CBA, I, I guess, uh, or find other things to talk about. Uh, you know, my thoughts on where do things go from here? I think we will have something to talk about here next week. I don't know if that means we have a deal and it's a season preview show, but I don't think it's going to be radio silence from both sides over the course of this week. That's way too long with the season this close to have nobody reach out the olive branch in some way, shape, or form. And I think we will have some sort of progress made. And, and hopefully that means uh, we see football return in short order. But that's going to do it for uh, this episode of the podcast. A great roundtable discussion here yet again. Uh, great chatting through this all with you. Very therapeutic. Always uh, loved having all the comments on the, on the live broadcast here on, in the YouTube chat as well. Really appreciate all of the uh, you who chimed in there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well and stay tuned. We may have more uh, live content to come uh, throughout the season here as well. So I uh, look forward to that. Um, in terms of uh, where people can find us all on social media, uh, let's start with you, Trey. Where can people find uh, everything you got going on these days? You can follow me at Twitter uh, at Trey MB Harness. Always down talk football or uh, like Adam mentioned, horse racing. So, you know, you need some inside tips. Don't ask me. I always lose, but I'm sure I can direct you to people who have the better tips. Um, and yeah, I'm, like I said, always always feel free to talk to me about whatever. I'm, uh, I'm always on my phone. That's the only thing I always have next to me. Mike, how about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MikeGerl, M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L, and uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. You can also find me starting Wednesday night enjoying that Battle of Alberta hockey series. But it actually starts tomorrow because I can't wait to see that Battle of Florida again. But I'm hoping for a different result. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yeah uh we'll see we'll see on that one mike uh adam where can people find you 
Well, you can find me at Adam Stewart one. Uh, let's face it. I mean, I'm, I'm like Mike, except I'm not really as interested in the battle of Florida as I am in the uh, battle of the central with the avalanche and the uh, St. Louis blues, by the way, abs and four, I've called it already. Uh, but Hey, if you want to come and talk uh, football, you want to talk CBA, you want to talk uh, avalanche or you want to talk NHL or if you want to talk about my other favorite subject, farming, by all means, you'll be seeing lots and lots of seeding posts coming soon uh, over on my uh, uh, Twitter channel. So, hey, make sure you follow me over there. Hey, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at CooperTrooper42. The The big extent of my Twitter activity is liking Adam's farming posts. Um, but uh, you can also, uh, I was a little more active this week during all my Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, as they did uh, knock off the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in the seven-game series. No surprise there, of course. Uh, Battle of Florida coming up. Looking forward to that as well. And, of course, uh, talking CFL. Uh, and hoping we uh, we have some uh, good news to talk about this week. You can find us on social media, uh, on Twitter, at CF Countdown Pod, on uh, Facebook, the Canadian Football Countdown there. As mentioned, subscribe on YouTube for more live shows uh, going forward. And uh, make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening or watching on, uh, we appreciate it if you do all the fun things like comment, rate, review, subscribe, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And uh, on behalf of our whole panel tonight, uh, Trey Colbeck, Michael Garrell, and Adam Stewart, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening or watching. Uh, have a good one. Bye. <laughs>